0: Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info@capitalchurch.co. At to have fun in church, amen. Well, now Shane has to take it from here. Good luck, Shane. <laughs> he has a great message today. Get ready, take notes, prepare your heart. Let's believe God to do something special in us today. Amen. Can you get one more, come on, round of applause. That was awesome. Well, we're not done. Uh, Mark opened last week with a song. They opened with a song, so here we go. I'm not gonna open with a song. Man, like talk about making it hard on a guy to, to preach from there. I got a text last week. Someone asked me, like, okay, Mark, just opening a song. If you're next week, are you going to sing? I'm like, you know, I'm just going gonna, gonna to stick to talking. Here we go. So we're going to talk. We opened a series this last week that I think is very important um, for, for our church. I think it's important for every Jesus follower. Um, and I was thinking about it on the way in, I've, I've driven in this, this route uh, to Sunday church for a long time. And I, I couldn't help but just be overwhelmed today just with this just gratitude, the fact that uh, God's made the church for for us. And I was thinking through the, the idea that the church was never man's idea. And I know there's a lot of frustrations that we can have towards people and towards things in the church, but when you really look at it biblically, the, the church was never a creation of man. It was always God's invention. It was his vehicle that he is using uh, people, individuals like you and I, uh, we get to be a part of it. And the church's job is to be a vehicle of hope for the world. So we get today, we get to gather, we get to sit with, you know, probably your first choice. That's why you sit next to them. But if not, uh, maybe they're your second choice. Regardless, we're all a family today. And we're all part of what I call a blessing to be part of a local community, a body, a church. You know this, that you don't and you shouldn't. Uh, You shouldn't pick a church based on, like, the marketing. You shouldn't pick a church based on, like, what the name of it is. You shouldn't pick a church based on uh, if the people there make you feel special. Uh, You should pick a church based on where God has planted you. Uh, where he's, he's put you. And you can see that the metaphor of the church as the tabernacle all throughout scripture. When you go uh, back in Old Testament, you're going to see that there was a floating tabernacle uh, with Noah. Uh, it was a, a type and figure of a tabernacle. Moses was given instruction to build a tabernacle. We see New Testament how God used, especially when you look through the book of Acts, God used men and women to uh, assemble and to build his, his body uh, with the purpose of being on mission. Uh, Not the purpose of being safe, not the purpose of just being in great comfort, but the purpose of being on mission to deliver, come on, the greatest news ever. To tell the world that Jesus is for them, loves them, and Jesus is with them. So as we've been starting this series, I think one thing that's 2020, for me, it's taught a few things, but one thing this last year has taught is just, it's taught me the, the importance of going back to basics and making sure you build on a strong foundation. I think it requires that you self-examine and uh, you work with God and not work against God To as he pinpoints things in your life. And he will uh, to change and to repent from and change from. I think it's it behooves us uh, individually as Christ follows, but also uh, as we are in this uh, mission together, his church, uh, that we respond when God asks us to respond. And uh, Pastor Mark Start off with the discipline of worship. And I'm hoping this last week that you've had some experience, even in your own personal life, maybe with family. Uh, Maybe there's certain things in your life that you've considered that were acts of worship that maybe weren't. Uh, Maybe your eyes, hopefully they were, mine were, open to, okay, what is God really after? What's true, genuine worship look like? Uh, Today I'm going to talk about something that's a practice as well. And it's the practice of simplicity and the practice of fasting with the Spirit. Uh, The two go hand in hand, but i found that it's hard to do the latter, the fasting, if you first don't do the first, which is the the simplifying. Because it's impossible to fit fasting into our schedule if we don't first clear some way for it. So I'll I'll talk a little bit towards uh, kind of the end of the talk today about just some principles in Scripture of fasting and what it really does for an individual. And I'll be right up front with you. It's the worst thing that you can do. Uh, but it's the best thing for you. Remember last, uh, well, December, I told you how Christmas is warfare and how we learn and we celebrate through, come on, we celebrate the kingdom of God through putting up lights, through being joyful, through being generous. Uh, but we do it through eating. And remember I gave you guys the, the go-ahead, the green light to eat. And some of you already came up to me and you blame your problem on me now. Uh, you did that last week. You know who you are. Uh, and I'm like, hey, I ate along with you, but I said we take care of it in January. Well, hello, it's January, so we're going to take care of it. Um, but I want to talk first about the, the principle, the, the discipline of simplicity. Simplicity is the practice of eliminating distractions and clutter with the pursuits of a singular focus towards God. Now, it's one thing to organize your life uh, with God not in mind. There's another thing to clean your room with God not in mind. There's, a, there's one thing to like clear some of the, the appointments on the schedule without God in mind. That's all good. You'll find some benefits with it. But that's not the spiritual practice of simplicity. The spiritual practice of simplicity is learning to remove yourself from certain distractions of life, uh, to clean up the clutter within the mind, the heart, and the home uh, with the sole purpose of making some space, making room f- to focus on Jesus. And I think if the church should be good at one thing this year and for the rest of our lives, it should be to exemplify what it looks like to have a singular focus on the King of Kings, and on Jesus. But it's almost near impossible because what you find is that simple isn't that easy. Or to simplify isn't... All that's simple to do in a world that's full of distractions. I mean, we live in an information highway. It's just amazing at the rate at which information and text messages and links and shared information can can travel. Like in seconds, under seconds, it can be on your device in front of you. Information Overload. If we're gluttoning anything, it's information, 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 and we use information like we were the ones who created it or found it. Uh, We don't realize that it's shared all across the stinking planet. But it's information, information. Not only that, it's invention. Technology is at a crazy, alarming, uh, just rate. The trajectory of where technology has taken us is overwhelming to say the least and this whole talk is not a rant on the evils of technology this is that this talk is to challenge us that if we're not careful anything taken to an extreme anything misused can be a danger against you But we have information overload. We have invention, invention, invention. There's always a new thing. Uh, The list of hobbies, it's gone from four to a million. It's amazing now what hobbies are that weren't 20 years ago. Uh, And so people are into hobbies and things, and uh, we're so distracted, yet trying to be simple. Back in my day, in some of your day, if you're my age or older, come on. Like I had had, um, Leave it to Beaver. I had cable. What's cable? Like, I remember I had explained to my son, okay, just uh, the perils of growing up in my day. Like, he's like, so you didn't have, like, all these. I'm like, no, we didn't have all. What would you do? I'm like, well, let me tell you something. I was blessed. Uh, I, I grew up and my, my grandfather was a TV repairman. So my TV in our home, it was like probably 400 pounds built of mahogany. Uh, and it had a little window in the middle of it and it was no flat screen. Are you kidding me? It took up half, half the, half the room, but at least you had it. So then how'd you get it programmed on there? Well, then it had a dial and it would click. You turn that beautiful thing, right? And you had like 12, seven, six, and it, And then you had that one friend. I had that one friend. Like, And we had all the sleepovers at his house. I won't give who that friend was. But this friend had something more than just a a dial. Eventually he had like a brown box and it had like 21, 22 buttons on it. And you click those buttons, it takes you beyond Channel 7 beyond Channel 6 and beyond 12. You get more than PBS. It's like, what in the world? And I had to tell him that when you missed a show, you missed a show. Like, like you watch the next day? No, you wouldn't watch the next day. You might watch it two years whenever they decide to run a rerun. Do you know what a rerun is? And as I'm thinking of this, I'm like, man, man, this is crazy. We we grew up in this. Like, I would get mad at my parents for praying long on that extra long prayer service at church. Why? Because we weren't able to get home at 7. The Lord moves. They were fasting and praying, and the kids suffered as a result of it. But here we go. In, in a world that uh, is, is, is trying to make things more simple, I think we've made things more complex. You know what's simple? A pencil. A pencil is simple. You know what else is simple? A rotary phone. Could you imagine if I came into your world when you had your rotary phone and said, hey, let me tell you something. One day, you're going to stare at that phone more than you stare at your spouse. You know, one day, that phone is going to go with you to the store. Do you know one day the store's gonna to come to your house? Do you know one day you're gonna sleep with your phone? Like, what? You're crazy. i want gonna say this, this thing that's been, it's, it's, and, it, and it has, there's blessings, it's a mixed bag, would you say? Technology, it, it's a mixed bag of it's, its blessing, but also it, it, it has a host of distractions that attach to it. I love it for the fact that it can take all your tools and it can be in one easy container. You can take it with you, right? I mean, the, you need a flashlight. Hey, that rotary phone one day is going to be a flashlight. Do you need to see what the temperature in the room is? Guess what? There's a thermometer on that bad boy. Uh, you need to measure the room, measure the car, measure the doorway. Yeah, there's a, there's a tape measure in there. Uh, you need to know, you need to know. My go-to for information back in the day, especially if I was really trying to be academic, was the, the Idaho statesman or the public library. You want You want the public library? Don't worry about it, it's in your pocket. All you gotta do is take that little container out and it carries all these tools for you. It's an alarm clock, it's a television. It's a thermostat. It's a file cabinet. It's a yearbook. It's, it's all those things wrapped up to one as though we need all that at one time. See, the problem is it's become more of a source of addiction and complexity and distractions than it has actually to, to simplify one's life. And this just isn't a rant on, once again, where the phone got smart. This is uh, the fact that if we're not careful, we can allow so many things to, to distract our are living. 30% of children uh, who use smartphones or have access to smartphones, uh, one report says they experience immense discomfort when their phone is not near them. You're like, oh, yeah, I know who those kids are. Like, yeah, they're your kids. Like, we know them too. (laughs) Like, acting like you're all holier than anyone else. Come on. You give them like a pacifier. You just throw it in their their little hand. Average screen time is 8 hours and 42 minutes. Um, per day. Uh, that's, and then there's an addition, there's three hours and 13 minutes on social media. Like, what, do you work? Do we work? 60% of Americans say they touch their phones a hundred times or less. I, I test this. I go, hey, babe, how many times do you think you touch your phone each day? She's like, oh, man, that's embarrassing. Probably 60. I'm like, yeah, you wish. 2,617 times. <laughs> the average is two thousand six hundred and seventeen times that the phone is touched, tapped, or swiped on average we open our phone, unlock it one hundred and fifty times a day. sixty uh, percent of the world 's population shows signs of nomophobia, which is no mobile fear uh, the f- The phone uh, has proven that it 's uh, begin to in technology when it comes to screen time tablets your television it 's proven to to be uh, damaging on uh, the chemistry of our brains. My next point proves this, 20% of people would rather go without shoes for a week than without their phone for a week. I would say something happened in the chemistry of the brain there for them to make that choice. In a lifetime, we'll average 8.4 years watching TV. We'll average 6.6 years at this rate on social media. Uh, That's kind of shocking, but it's more shocking when you actually convert the hours into, or excuse me, the, the, the years into hours. So in a lifetime, let's say of 80 plus years, uh, you will spend 7,634 hours watching television or some type of entertainment on a, on a tablet or phone. In addition, you'll spend 57,855 years on social media. Um, and then you find out that it takes, we waste seven years of our life trying to sleep. I think there's a correlation. Like, seven years we we waste trying to go to sleep. God has blessed me. I probably I waste a year and a half. I bet. It's not because I'm any better. I just I just sleeping. Thank God and Lord, let it continue for the rest of my life. Um, But I, I think there's a correlation by our our sleep or patterns of I mean, I won't even I'm not going to even embarrass some of trainers in here it just, it's just shocking uh, that we spend uh, 73,000 hours watching TV and not even a fraction of that uh, we spend on exercise and eating well and I don't know I think the I think the internet was embarrassed to even show me numbers on bible reading and prayer on average cuz it didn't it didn't I didn't find much uh, which means I think our priorities are uh, uh, miskewed. Uh, they're, they're not lined well. Uh, and I think it would be impossible for, to say, hey, we have a strong prayer life. We have a strong following Jesus life if we don't first recognize, ah, just maybe, maybe it could be better. Maybe there's so many distractions and maybe life has been so complex within our life that we really don't know how to follow Jesus well or as we, as we should. And I turn our attention to Luke chapter 10. And I've been in Luke chapter 10 all week. I love how Luke frames the beginning of this chapter and the end of this chapter. Uh, He he starts off, this is where Jesus is uh, taking some of his disciples and he's sending 72 disciples into the towns and cities ahead of him. uh, And he's given them a, a, a message or he's placed them on... A mission, and this is where he says the harvest is is plentiful, but the workers or the labors are few. He goes, so pray the Lord of the harvest, uh, pray, pray the Lord that he he will that you can ask God to send more labors, more more workers, because the harvest is plentiful. And and he says this, he says, so off you go now. Remember, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Take no money bag, no pack, no sandals, and don't stop to pass the time with anyone. On the road. And then verse 9, he says, Heal the sick who are there and say to them, God's kingdom has come close to you. God's kingdom has come close to you. Another translation, the kingdom of God is near you. Like it's really close, it's surrounding you. The kingdom of God is here today. A church is an expression of the kingdom of God. What's happening now is we're partaking in the kingdom activity, even as we sit in this auditorium together. He says, tell them that that's, that's what's coming to them. I love what it says because he said, don't take um, anything with you. Don't take a money bag. Don't take a pack. Don't take extra sandals. What's Jesus saying? He's like, you, you got to go light, which you feel it. And you can hear it when you read it as though the mission that God has them on is time sensitive meaning that they value and understand the importance of the hour that they're in right now. Like this is not, a, it's, it's time to play. It's not, this is time to goof off. It, it's, it's time to just just be idle. It's just time to kind of passively move from town to town. Jesus saying, no, 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 you go ahead of me, prepare the way, like much what John did, right? Get them ready because Jesus is on his way somewhere. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And so the hour demands that you got to let as many people know That God is near them, that the kingdom of heaven has come to visit and to encounter their life. In their world, For those that accept it, have a meal, sit down, speak peace over their homes. Tell them once again that the kingdom of God is near you. For those that reject it, uh, walk out to the streets, shake off the dust from that town and continue to move forward. Don't sit idly chatting and talking and wasting time with people on the way. Why? Because the kingdom agenda and message is so important. That's to tell as many people that we can. And these disciples were going out two by two. And they kept telling people, the kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God is, is so close. And what I love about that is uh, several things. One is that it's not my job or your job to bring a conversion to someone, to change hearts and minds. Our job is to be faithful and carry out the good news as messengers of the gospel of Jesus. And that is that God's not just for a few people. God's for everybody. And He's go light. Go light. Get rid of the accessories. One thing that frustrates me is when you go to a restaurant and there's more garnish on the plate than the main mill. And it's amazing what happens. A miracle happens when you clear away the garnish. You're like, oh, that's what we're left with. Uh, but I'd rather just start with like, okay, let's add more to the main mill and we'll get rid of some of this. Uh, some of this garnish, the accessories. I think that if we're not careful, we can get so lost in the garnish uh, that we forget what the main thing is. We get so lost by not just bad distractions, even good distractions. You add too many of good distractions, and you, my friends, we're off course. Uh, We've lost the meaning for why we're here and what we're called to do. We start thinking, oh, my gosh, I feel horrible. I'm not comfortable as though that God's called us to this life of comfort. No. We get stuck in wrong conversations. We get stuck in wrong arguments. We get stuck in fighting over the wrong things. And I think this is a call to, to make things simplified enough that you can know every waking day of your life the reason why you live and what your mission is for. I go camping, backpacking a lot in the summertime with, with friends, Joel and others, Marshall in, the, in, in here, uh, Joe Martinez in his, his tent, uh, right? Uh, we, we, go, we go backpacking, and it's amazing. Like when I first started backpacking, I brought everything, because you want to be ready for the moment. But guess what happens? The moment that you thought was going to happen doesn't happen, and now you have like 80 extra pounds of weight. Maybe not that much. But the more you go, the realize, whoa, I can do less and less and less, and we actually can get further faster. The problem with carrying extra weight and accessories is it won't hurt you at first, but the longer you live that way, the longer or the more opportunity it has to be a danger and a detriment to you. Nowadays, the goal is, okay, what little can we bring to get to point A to point B? And there's an adventure on that. I think what Jesus is saying, listen, I'm training right now that you don't have to rely on what you bring. You don't have to rely on all the details and all the stuff and all the info and all uh, the the extra that you try and do. What's what's the bare minimum uh, when it comes to living on mission? What do you need? I tell you, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. You need a good church. Uh, you need to know your Bible. You need a strong prayer life. Uh, you need to be kind. You need to forgive your, your enemies. You need to love well. You need to be good, really good at repenting. You need to be good at uh, sharing the gospel, not being afraid and embarrassed about it. You need to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. As you read through the book of Acts. These are the things that are needed to be in your life for you to have an effective ministry and following the way in the purposes of Jesus. So we see that in the end of Luke chapter 10, it ends with the story, and both bookmark this importance on the time and the hour uh, that Luke here is is placing on this, that Jesus himself is placed on this. Whether it's being chronological order or not, we know that Jesus and his disciples then stopped off at the house of two sisters, Mary and Martha, And we read in verse 38, it says, And now uh, they went on the way. Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha. You're anxious and you're troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away. What we see here is the mission that the 70 were given to go from town to town, city to city, to communicate that the kingdom of God is near you is the same mission that Jesus and the disciples are on and they're in the household of Martha and Mary. The problem is Martha is distracted by so many things, getting ready for the big dinner, getting ready, doing the the to-do list. There's a lot of tasks at hand. And the problem is she doesn't realize literally that the kingdom of God is sitting in her home, like with her. And I I was reading through this week. I'm like, man, God, in my lifetime of serving you, like how many opportunities have I missed? God moments have I missed because I've been so distracted elsewhere And I've overlooked the very fact that your presence has been right here with me. And you've had something to say, but I couldn't hear it because I gave no time for you to speak. I gave no time to listen. Martha's distracted with much. Is she doing bad things? No. But she's just not doing the one thing that she's supposed to do at that moment. Mary sets the great example of this. uh, And it wasn't easy for Mary either. Just like it's not going to be easy for us within, within our world and life to do this automatically. Mary had to come against a couple boundaries, one being a domestic boundary, another being a cultural boundary. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And at that time and that day and that culture, that was unheard of for females to do. Why? Because in the home, N.T. Wright talks about there is a Male space and a female space, meaning that the private sectors of the home were uh, were given to the women, and it was the public areas of the home that were given to the men. So it was the men who would sit at the feet of their teacher, and that was a position of being a student. What is Mary doing? Mary has job and she has chores to do as well. But what she's doing is she's sitting at the very feet of Jesus. Why? Because she recognizes that the kingdom of God is close to her. And she's, by sitting there, she's not just saying that I'm here just to learn so that I can be better. She's saying that I'm sitting here to learn so that I, too, can be a communicator of the good news. That I, too, can further this, this mission that tells towns and, and homes and communities and cities that the kingdom of heaven is right here. It took courage It took a willingness to say, I'm going to step across boundaries. I'm going to frustrate people not on purpose, but if that's what happens, that's what happens, because I don't want to miss the opportunity of what is in my home right now. Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to completely wreck the powers of evil as he approaches the crucifixion, is sitting in the home of Martha and Mary. One person gets it. The other person is so overwhelmed by fussing and by distractions and by the assignments of the day that she almost missed her opportunity to have an account. Encounter with Jesus but you see the grace of Jesus in the story when he calls her name twice he says Martha Martha he doesn't he's not he's not disciplining her he's just getting her attention I don't know about you but I got to be honest there's times I've been not just 2020 in my life but I feel like more this last year than probably any year before I've heard the words Shane Shane careful you distract with too many things you're you're you're, you're getting your sight on the wrong thing you need to do what Paul did in Colossians 3 and what Mary exemplifies in Luke chapter 10. You need to learn. Keep doing this. It's a discipline. I know it. It's tough. But keep setting your eyes on the things of heaven. Uh, be a person who, who gravitates towards the wisdom that's from above, as James talks about, not the wisdom that is from the earth. Meaning set your attention on what really matters. Remember, Mary's done the one thing. And I love this. And Jesus says this out loud to the audience of that day. The one thing that Mary chose was the right thing. And that's the thing that's not going to be taken away. So what is Jesus doing? He's affirming her as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. So it's for her and it's for everyone else. God is no respecter of persons. Uh, but what he's looking for, he's looking for hearts that say, you know what? There's been clutter. There's been debris in my life. I've been too distracted to actually follow Jesus the way that I should. Regardless whether you've been a Christian for a, a little bit or for a long time. I'm telling you, friends, It adds up. The clutter adds up. And it requires, and this is why it's a discipline, it requires us taking intentionality and recognizing there has to be a reorder of things within our life. The reason why you have to simplify first is because if you don't do that, you can't worship well, you can't pray well. Are you kidding me? We're going to say fast. You're not going to fast well. There's no way. But when you can understand, no, the the purpose is a singular focus on Jesus, then what happens you're like, oh, uh, now that that's there, it's amazing. Wow, I can just hear a lot better. Like, I've, I've reduced the time. And I'm not even telling you just to go a full TV strike. But, like, come on, if we're 73,000 hours with our lifetime, could we maybe break it, you know, by a half or a quarter or let's get crazy an 8th or 16th? You know, like, let's just, let's try and reduce that sum. Could you imagine if you spent 73,000 hours of your life praying and fasting and worshiping and studying what difference not only your world would be, but the world around you would be. So I think this is probably an indictment on the church a little bit because we can't look to the world for answers to these massive problems within our day. It, it, God puts the onus upon, upon the church, and there's no way that, uh, that you're going to know what to do if you don't first start with clearing the plates and allowing God to be central focus. So are you just saying prayer and fasting, that's it? Well, no, that's not it. But if you say that to me, I'd say you really don't understand the value of prayer and fasting. Because you can't do anything until you first pray. And it's in prayer, hear me, church, that God will give you what needs to be done within your life, within your circle, for your family, for your personal home, and how he uses to influence the world through you. But it first always has to start from prayer, and from prayer, God leads us in other things. But other things can't happen, and they're out of balance if it's first not in prayer. Does that make sense? So it comes back to okay, we got to reorder and simplify some things within within our life. And then you move to um, then you move to fasting. Whew. I tell you from the get go, I do not enjoy this thing called fasting, right? Uh, and I, my parents did a great job. I mean, they've been part of this church for a long time in community. but man, as a kid, I just remember like. I could feel when that fasting weekend was coming. <laughs> I'm like, don't we have more lights in our home? Like, why is there, what? Like, you put on too many lights, like, ah, oh, my eyes, like, headache, you know? No offense, mom and dad. Um, but, and there's no food on that weekend in the house. So can I just help you? Parents, I want to help you out. Because it wasn't until I got older that I realized, man, that the power of fasting. But as a kid, man, I was off to a rough start it's not like my close friends, Pastor Chris, his sister, it's not like they helped us. We, we're in this together. Same thing happened at our lead pastor's home. So it's just not my parents. Like, you know, it's like things, things were a lot. Everything was quiet. There's no entertainment. Parents didn't want to talk too much. They were meeting with the Lord. Um, you know, their bodies were withering away because the fasting, you know. This is a perspective of a, of a, a six-year-old, maybe a 12-year-old. But I remember, like, you know, if I'm going to get through this weekend, I'm going to get through with my friends. So I'd go over to Chris' house, and uh, we're like, oh, man, we can't eat food because we want to be spiritual, too. So, uh, but I guess you can, like, do a Daniel fast. That's where you could, like, just, like, water and, like, juice. So we're like, all right, let's get the blender. So I'm not kidding. We got sherbet ice cream. We got the Costco donuts. And we put anything that we would normally love to eat and drink into a blender. And... The Lord is my witness on the front row here. Tracy, myself, Pastor Chris, we chugged that thing down. We're like, fasting's not too bad. We could do this. But then I got older and realized like, we missed it painfully. Didn't, didn't hear from the Lord. There wasn't a radical change within our heart. I grew up, matured a little bit, and I realized, man, there's probably not a better way to uh, get the attention of self and to uh, redirect your focus on my life. It's like a compass and direct it towards Jesus more so than the disciplines combined of simplicity, fasting, and in prayer. And what I found in my life that my spiritual sensitivity increases when I begin to fast and pray. And what used to bug me, it's funny, when you begin to fast, it just doesn't bug you anymore. And where there has been so much ambiguity, and there's been almost like a cloud, we experience it with, obviously, within our city, uh, there's that inversion that sets in naturally. I think that happens to us uh, oftentimes in, in the spiritual realm. Uh, but when you begin to fast and pray, man, it's like you get clarity. Uh, it's like it's, it's, it's not magic. It's not forcing God to do anything. It's just putting your life in a place to where you're making room for God to speak to you and change things. It also reveals to you how much you depend on certain things. It, it shows, and I'm not talking just, and I think we can do this this week, and I'm excited, and I'm going to plug this. Like, it's just not a plug. It, it, this is something that I think if the church could show up in, in, in record number for our Friday, Saturday, Sunday, prayer and worship weekend this next weekend, uh, not just showing up, but prepping today and through this week, asking God, okay, what are certain things, what can I fast What can I simplify? What's been so complex in my life that I can just put the pause button on it? Or even do something more bold. Some people can put the pause button on it and you can heal as a result. Other people, you can't put the pause button on it, which means you're addicted to it, which means you got to aggressively go after it just like it's aggressively gone after you. What do you mean? That means some of you, you're going to have to go back to the pencil, the notepad, and the rotary phone. Others, you're going to have to do extreme things. And only you and the Holy Spirit can, can, can determine what that is. It's not me telling you what to do and vice versa. But come on, if, if we really want to see the move of God in our day, then we really got to be honest with the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm sure there's going to be things that God's going to say, you know what, that's just been garnish. It's been accessory. And you thought it's the main thing. Just get rid of it. You'll find how much more freedom you'll find in life. You'll find out that it wasn't as if I wasn't speaking; you just couldn't hear because all the noise. God speaks, and so fasting. I think it's one way to um, really uh, hone in on okay, what's been what's been a uh, a strength to me other than than Jesus? What's been a strength to me other than the presence of God? What's been a, what's been my go to other than than Scripture? Uh, and you'll find that it's, it's a reordering of things. It's a reordering of priorities within, within your life. Uh, Jesus himself, he was, he was fasting for 40 days in, in the wilderness in the desert. We see that he was tempted uh, by Satan to turn uh, rocks into a loaf of bread. And he says that, that man should not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'll tell you this, when, when I fast, I automatically, I start questioning, like, oh, man, um, is my blood sugar low? <laughs> Maybe I am hypoglycemic or, I begin to, like, like, that's the only time I consider it. Do I have health problems? I probably should eat. I mean, the Lord would want me to eat. It would be weird. It would be like, I mean, talk about how religious that would be. You'd die because of fasting. Like, the Lord, it's amazing what happens. Like, And that's just skipping breakfast the first day. Like, it's amazing what will happen. Like, when you set out to fast. I'm telling you right now that you have every distraction come your way. But here, here's my promise because I'm proof of it. And I know there's many in here. I know personally that have gone longer periods of time fasting. Uh, that eventually will clear. Uh, those distractions will eventually wane, and you'll find just this incredible clarity, uh, focus when it comes to uh, spent time in Scripture. Now, if you fast and don't read your Bible and pray, all you're doing is going on a horrible diet. Uh, so fasting's not dieting. Fasting is I'm abstaining from this food for this period of time, and God will speak that to you. Uh, with the sole purpose of getting my focus back on what matters, the one thing that Mary did, uh, so that I can that I can heal, so that I can be revived, I can be restored. This is what fasting does, and you can find this in Isaiah chapter 58. I don't have time to read the whole passage, but uh, I'm going to read this. Give us some points on what fasting does, and I'm just going to just say, please engage in it this week. The activity of simplifying and fasting. And then I'm gonna have our worship team actually come up right now and we're gonna respond as a church body uh, to this message. Uh, it's something that isn't just a uh, few of us sh- should, should respond to. I think this, this is a message that uh, myself included, that the whole church is, is to lean into uh, and to respond because I don't think this just has to do with like, oh yeah, I know who you're talking to. Man, I wish they were here today. No, it has to do with your life and my life. There's areas that God wants to remove clutter, debris, and distractions, so that he can have uh, an uninterrupted conversation with us. In Isaiah chapter 58, you'll see it's a chapter that talks about uh, proper worship in, 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 or, or right worship and wrong worship. It talks about their way of fasting. And then God says, That's what you call a fast. This is what I call a fast. This is like God's standard of what fasting does for those who engage in it appropriately. Number one, we fast for spiritual, uh, we, spa- we fast for victory over spiritual forces. So he goes, Is this not the fast I chose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps? of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Friend, I, I know there are some strongholds and there are some yokes of, 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 of spiritual activity and weakness over some of our lives today. And I find this that's one of the best ways to have that addressed is you take it to the Holy Spirit. And as you fast and pray, it's amazing. It's not what you do, it's what God does through your obedience and through your willingness to collaborate with him. We see in the gospel, when Jesus was saw people, he said they came running together and he rebuked the unclean spirit in this young boy saying, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him no, anymore. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed greatly, and they came out of him and he became as one dead. Uh, so that, Excuse me, so that many said, He's dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come back to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And so Jesus turns his attention and says to them, This kind cannot come out by anything other than prayer and fasting so certain things that you've tried to have broken off your family and life I'm telling you what the best place to engage and take care of that is as you fast as you pray and as you are part of the church as you pray together in a community you you, you, you we engage in this together fasting also is we fast for health and healing Isaiah 58a then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily we fast for answered prayers then shall uh, you call and the lord will answer you shall cry and he will say here i am some of you you've had you've had those questions like i get it okay you said something about the disciples their announcement that the kingdom of god is near it just doesn't feel like the kingdom of god is near like i've prayed and i haven't got any response let me let me help you out with that uh, our job is not to to make god do something and to put a timetable to when he's supposed to do it. You know what our job is, is follows of Jesus, to engage in trust and faith that God is true to his word, he's true to his promises. His promises are yes and amen, meaning they're, they're complete all by themselves without our involvement in it whatsoever. And it's in God's timetable that he brings about the answer. And it's always greater and better, and more marvelous than we can ever expect or imagine. But as you fast, it's amazing how God will. Uh, He he breaks through. We also fast for guidance, number four. It says, and the Lord will guide you continually, Isaiah 58, verse 11. So for healing and health, for answered prayers, for guidance, for victory over spiritual forces. And then lastly, and there's other reasons for fasting, but lastly, we we, we fast for uh, just the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will come on ministries, will come on you in your job. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will come on you uh, and you're like, man, I don't know why I'm such a good parent. Well, yeah, it's because the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You'll have those moments like, wow, I'm just an incredible spouse. What's changed? Well, it's, it's, it's the grace of Jesus in you. But then it's not like that. It's like God will use you in your testimony as it's coupled with the anointing. And you'll share your story with a neighbor who has nothing, has never been exposed to the reality of heaven. And next thing you know, God's using you and your life to bring this message of the kingdom of God is in your home. The kingdom of God is, is near you right there. What Mary did, I think what we do, because we have a choice. We can continue on like a Martha and being distracted, 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 distracted. Or... We can choose to do the one thing that Mary did. And the promise is this. I know this. A lot of things will get taken away from us. But the one thing that is sure not to be taken away from us is the reality of heaven and his presence and God moving and ministering through our lives. I think it would be important. I have the the worship team. They're going to sing this song, Make Room. And what I'd love us to do is just for a few moments. Uh, we're good on time, so you don't even have to check your watch on that. It's another distraction. We got 10 minutes before we hit the 90-minute mark, and I would ask us to do this. I'd ask us to, to maybe lean forward. For some of you, it might require you like you just I just got to stand up, and I just got it's got to be kind of a picture of like surrender. For others, it might be I just got to maybe turn around and kneel in my chair. Like you can do that in church. Yes, you can do that in church. Like do something that would indicate that there is a change that's taking place within you, within the inside. Uh, I think this, I think we need to engage even this moment in repentance, personally. So God, forgive me for living a life so distracted that I've missed God opportunities. been so distracted that I've allowed other things to tell me who I am and what I should think and how I should live. And I've not spent time listening to your voice and what you wanna say and do how you are involved in my home. I've spent so much time being distracted that instead of uh, being a present parent who cares and who's directing the life of my kids, I just get frustrated and I yell. Or uh, I've been a distracted spouse. Man, I, yeah, you're right. I, just, I, just, I look more at my phone than I look at my kids and my family. I'm more engaged with the information that's coming in than actually having conversation with how my kids are doing. What, what, what should we pray as a family, individually, with friends, that and the other? Um, th- there's something. There's something. I guarantee you. There's at least one thing in all of us. We say, God, please, I, just, I just surrender this to you. Just take it. It's yours. I want to, as Mary did, make room for you to minister in